You have reached the voicemail box of Speed Dial with Ira Madison III and Doreen St. Felix. This week, we're discussing the spooky Netflix show, Stranger Things, the spooky reemergence of Frank Ocean, and the even spookier love for KFC that Donald Trump has. Or does he? Leave a message. Ira, I need you to talk me out of getting an 11 tattoo because I have been watching Stranger Things. Like, I've just shut out the entire world and I want to show this little girl, this character that I'm obsessed with, how much I love her. Call me back. Doreen, I am here. Yes. I'm here. I need you. Um, I am in a tizzy over this show. It was so good, right? It's white excellence. Stranger <laughs> Things via Netflix is white excellence. You know, they've had like a troublesome, they've had a troublesome year, white people. And this is like the best thing they've done all year. Stranger Things is it. So I know you binge you binge watched it in like a half day. a day, right? Like, like twenty four hours. Within twenty four hours, I was done. You know, I saw people talking about it a couple of weeks ago when it first came out, and I was just like, eh, "This sounds like some, you know, nostalgia product that I'm not really going to be interested in." Right? Like I because, could like, rewatch The Goonies if I want to. Exactly, or I could rewatch Stand By Me. And people were talking about how it was loaded with all these references, which repelled me from watching the show. But then I was really bored one afternoon and I didn't want to rewatch Bob's Burgers. So I was like, you know what? Let me try this white show out. <laughs> and I, I actually watched it all in just like eight hours. Like, I watched it in one night. Right. I say 24 hours, but, like, when you told me to watch it, I started watching, like, the first three episodes, then I went to bed, and then I got up and finished it. Like, I got up super early to finish this damn show. Yeah, because you had to. Also, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the whole season of Stranger Things. So if you, so have if you haven't not, watched it... Jump ahead. Also... Watch Stranger Things if you haven't watched it yet. What the hell is wrong with you? You're trash. I would describe. If you it. Yeah, I would describe the sensation of that show. It reminded me of being like 11 to 13 years old and reading young adult novels. Like it was so immersive. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me because the show it toes the line of being a like science fiction horror show but then also you know just like a very close examination of like the most mundane observations that like prepubescent kids have like on the one hand it's just like you know it's like the babysitter's club but on the other hand it's like Norse mythology I just think it's such an interesting marriage of themes yeah what was interesting to me too is the fact that like it's so easy to watch because like you said it's it is nostalgic like there's not really anything super original happening in the show um but how it's all put together was so 
enthralling. Like, I cared about all the characters. And it was, like, they blended, like, different tropes and different stories that we saw, like, in the 80s, but put them all into, like, one piece. You know, you had, like, the young kids saving the world. You had the secret government conspiracy. You had the horror element. You had... You know, the teen girl losing her virginity, you know, the asshole kids at school. Um, and then you even had like some Breakfast Club shit with like badass Barb. <laughs> totally. So, like, let's summarize basically what happens in these eight episodes. The whole show, I think, takes course over a couple of days, right? Um, I think like a week or so. Because at some point, Winona Ryder says that her son's been missing for like a week or so. Yeah, I think she says that around episode six. There are eight episodes in this season. The show opens with these like middle school age boys playing their nerdy ass Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, Mike, who is like the he's like the main protagonist in Mike's house Mm -hmm. and all the kids depart and one of the kids Will gets taken, and Will is Winona, the the character that Winona Ryder plays. That's her son. So he disappears mysteriously, and the rest of the season is just a caper in which the kids and also some of the adults are trying to find Will. And there's this really interesting part uh, around, I think it's episode three, right? Where they find this, like, the body that is supposed to be Will. But then you find out that it's not Will. Yeah. And then that's when it really gets supernatural. Yeah, that part where, like, the sheriff went into the morgue and then found that fake body. I was like, this is kind of lit. Yeah, that was awesome. I just think that, like, the characters were all really fun in this, you know? I like the boys. I like that the black kid actually had something to do, by the way, because um, I thought he wasn't <laughs> going to do anything at first, but he sort of got involved. He got in the mix. Yeah, he also had a very distinct like character. Yeah. So between the three boys, he was the one who was the realist. He was the one saying, you know... So when um, the character Eleven, who I'm obsessed with, Eleven is basically a lab experiment gone astray by this very evil doctor who is doing this stuff on the low in Indiana. So when Eleven comes in, Lucas is the one who's like, y'all really trying to mess with this like nonverbal white girl you've never seen before? Like he's the one who's kind of keeping them on the ground. And sometimes that's to his detriment. But I thought it was like such smart writing because obviously kids can be really imaginative but there are always gonna there's always gonna be like a child cynic and I loved the way he played that role yeah I did too and I also really liked how people slowly started coming around to like the supernatural you know I liked how Winona Winona Ryder through her grief was contacting her son through like light bulbs and like Christmas lights uh, she was looking crazy as fuck <laughs> she really first. was looking toe up in there <laughs> uh, but that was fun and then like I really liked how the sheriff came to it through you know the grief of like losing his daughter to cancer I actually thought that was a little cheap that was the one part of the show where I was like eh you know 
I think he could have had a, a bit more of an interesting backstory. And it also confused me at a lot of points because I thought that maybe his daughter was actually 11. Oh, did, did that okay. ever, like... Yeah. Did you ever think that at some point? I feel like at some point I did, but then I don't know. I didn't. When they went to interview that, like comatose woman or whatever i don't know she was sitting there watching her stories um i thought (laughs) i did not think it was his daughter anymore um what i also liked though was how so it was a horror series right but it also like flipped the 80s horror tropes on its head at least for the teenagers um because, um, you know, like, 80s horror was all about you get punished for, like, bad behavior and, like, for having sex and drinking and doing drugs. And the main character literally is drinking and then she has sex with her boyfriend. Meanwhile, Barb, the girl who didn't do shit wrong and was like, can we get out of here, gets attacked by the monster. <laughs> you know? Like, if it were, like, a real 80s horror movie, she would be, like the character who saves everybody at the end and all those ratchet ass teenagers in the house would have gotten killed. Like I hated that other girl, the one, you know, who they like put <laughs> all the right moves starring slut Karen Wheeler on the Oh, marquee. Nancy Wheeler? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they did that to Nancy, I was like, that's rude. Um, but um, yeah, and I'm like, the trope was interesting to me that they flipped it, but then it had like the reverse side effect of being like, you never think, I mean, not like kids like deserve to be murdered for like having sex and drinking, but like Barb literally did nothing wrong. And is she dead? Well, I have a theory that Barb is not actually dead. Well, I don't think she is just judging from like the fact that at the end, um, you know, we see that that world still exists. Exactly, and also, so Eleven goes in the sensory deprivation tank that they build in the middle school, Mm -hmm. and she makes contact with what looks like is Barb's corpse, Uh but then she just, you know, she says, gone, that's all she says. And I thought that Barb was dead at that point, but then in the finale when you see um, Will, he looks just like Barb, right? Like he's totally desiccated. He's dried up. He has that same slug thing in his mouth. But mm-hmm. when they pull the slug thing out and they resuscitate him, he comes back to life. So maybe Barb just needs a little extra TLC, you right. know, like someone to actually care and <laughs> check if she's not dead. <laughs> right. Um, so that was part of it, too. I mean, like, they were all concerned about saving this little boy, and nobody gave a fuck that this girl was missing. Her <laughs> best all, friend. Not even her damn mother. <laughs> right? Her mother was like, if you see her, can you call me? And then we never heard from her again. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl, girl who was her best friend was just like, oh, let's beat up the monster while also, like, you know, making out with my boyfriend still and giving Christmas presents to the creepy boy who is spying on me. He's not creepy. He's so fine and I'm in love with him. I love Jonathan. <laughs> okay. He's my white bae. But like, <laughs> I um, am hoping season two, they're like, 
oh, hey, let me go get Barb. And I'm hoping Barb comes back and she's like, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe ba- uh, Barb will become the monster herself. Like, right. she deserves that. She deserves to haunt some yeah. of these little bitches because she, that wasn't right. But either way. Even like, Jonathan. Yeah. Like, I feel like Jonathan could have at least reminded Nancy and been like, hey, like, didn't mm-hmm. you start to believe in the monster because your best friend disappeared? Maybe and that was the thing, too. Up on her. Like, the sh- Winona and Sheriff, when they go to find Winona's son, they make a deal with the government, like, at the end, they're like, because, um, like, the secret's been exposed, and the government's like, we'll kill you. But they're like, you know what? We won't expose you if you let us go find Will. However, when they go into, like, the world called the Upside Down World, where, like, the monster exists and where the people that they thought were dead actually are, nobody even bothers to look for Barb. Like, they do not walk anywhere near that swimming pool where she vanished (laughs) at all. They just leave her there. Fuck that pool. I don't know. I I, I just want to say that, like, (laughs) shouldn't this Nancy girl have known her friend was missing? Because wouldn't she have been able to tell that Barb's car was still parked where they left it? No, she she, she was in the afterglow, Ira. Nancy had just lost her virginity. She was busy thinking about other things. Hmm. Wow. The number one, I think, not it's not an issue because it actually is reflective of a lot of the movies and books that came out of the 80s where it was like parents weren't helicopter parents. Kids could just ride around on their bikes and do whatever they want and be gone all day. Mm-hmm. I did think there... I would have liked to see like a little bit more of the parental strife from people who weren't Winona and Nancy Wheeler's parents. Yeah, definitely like the two other boys' parents never show never. up and be like, Where And Lucas are our is kids? black. So right. you know his mama is not just like <laughs> letting him run around town. <laughs> There's a suspension of reality there that I can't really get with. I can believe in the monster, but I can't believe that Lucas's black mother is letting him run around all crazy in Indiana in 1982 or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, we at least know that Barbara's become such a fan favorite that she's probably going to pop up next season, whether or not she's dead or it's in a flashback or whatever. But, like, they would be dumb to ignore their fans. But what else do you want to see next season? Next season, I'm definitely interested in the non-supernatural drama. So I would love to see Nancy Wheeler really get in a love triangle with Steve, who was her popular boyfriend, and then Jonathan, who's like the weird, yeah, he's a creep. I, I guess I'm gonna have to call him a creep. The <laughs> weird creep um, that she ends up fighting the monster with. So I would love to see that, whatever's gonna happen in that situation, love to see that come to fruition. Um, and I'm also so interested in what's going to happen to Will. So the season ends with Will, the boy that they rescue from the upside down, coming home and he seems readjusted he seems healthy he seems okay and then he goes to the bathroom for a second during a holiday dinner and he coughs up a slug and it looks like the slug that's associated with the monster in the upside down 
and for a second the lights flicker. And then he composes himself and he goes back to dinner. So is Will going to become the monster? You know, is the monster actually just like a figment of his imagination in the way that it might have been a figment of Eleven's imagination? And then also, where's Eleven? Did she die? Can she die? I have so many questions. Yeah, um, there were a lot of cliffhangers left. Um from the final episode because they sort of just like were ready to save Will and then didn't really wrap a lot of stuff up. So they have to take care of a lot of questions once season two starts. And I'm hoping these questions get answered and this doesn't turn into some lost shit because I don't have the time for it. (laughs) So Netflix, if you're listening, we need a second season of Stranger Things. Like stop bullshitting around and Renew it yesterday. I need to know what's going to happen. Right. Although I will admit, I will admit, if it if the if there's only one season of Stranger Things, this would be a good one season because it does have an ending, right? It does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Give us more. If Bloodline can get a season two, if y'all still making house, <laughs> if y'all still making House of Cards and pretending anybody cares about that shit, um, <laughs> make another Stranger Things. Your favorite host would love to give you advice. Call us with questions at 424-354-9335. Again, that number is 424-354-9335. Speaking of the supernatural... Apparently, Frank Ocean is releasing his album this week. Mm. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm tired. Like, I don't have time for him, like, building stairs or whatever on Apple Music <laughs> in some, like, black and white room <laughs> doing all sorts of, like, experimental art. It's like, fuck you, Frank. He's in, like, the hipster upside down right now. He is. So Frank Ocean, this was Sunday night, um, via Apple Music started this live stream of a pretty empty studio. Frank Ocean sometimes enters the studio to do some carpentry. Uh, <laughs> as, as, of, as of the recording of this episode, he has built a chair. And somehow the New York Times is reporting... The paper of record is reporting that he's going to release his album via Apple Music on Friday of this week. And I just, here's the thing about Christopher Bro, AKA Frank Ocean. I have no problem with him not having released an album since Channel Orange, which was 2012. I don't care, take as long as you need. But don't tell us shit's going to be done and then not have shit be done. That's the problem I have with him. Right. So many people jump on the like, I want a cape for Frank Ocean bandwagon being like, you know, he never promised that anything was ever coming out. I'm like, did he not tell us an album was coming out in July? 
He literally said that. And then it did not. And now you release this, like, I don't know, he released an album cover or like whatever that looked like a library um, checkout sheet um, with like dates stamped on it on his website. Like he did that weeks ago. And one of the dates was this week. And that coincided with like the live stream, I guess. But I'm just like, okay, fine. It's just like, you're not a Batman villain. Like, stop it with the fucking riddles and just release an album. (laughs) Okay, let's make a quick list of all the things that are going to happen before Frank Ocean puts out this album. One of them is Donald Trump's rise to power between the release of Channel Orange and Boys Don't Cry. Donald Trump is literally... The, uh, the man who made The Apprentice is now the Republican candidate for the United States presidency um, since this nigga released his album. Since Channel Orange, Beyonce's dropped two surprise albums. Amen. Let them know. <laughs> and he has done nothing. <laughs> Kim Kardashian had like two babies. <laughs> and exposed Taylor Swift on Snapchat. All of this happened in the time span. Which is all to say that time has continued to hurdle forward. The world has continued to turn. Sand has continued to go through the hourglass. And Frank Ocean, rarely even captured by paparazzi. You know, I feel like he just like hangs out. I'm going to say one more thing about Frank Ocean. And I will say that I feel like he has spider sense for being detected. And you know how? How? Last Christmas, a friend of mine threw a party, a Christmas party on the east side of LA. I was at this party. I was at this party. And a friend of mine had a birthday party that night in West Hollywood. So I had to leave that party on the east side midway through to go to West Hollywood for the tail end of my friend's birthday party. Not two seconds after I hop out of the Uber at that birthday party, do I get texts from people that say, Frank Ocean just showed up at this party on the east side. Like, randomly showed up at the party. And I was upset about it, but when I asked people what happened, they were like, yeah, he just chilled out in the kitchen and everyone sort of gawked at him for a bit. He chatted with his friend who was there. And I was like, you know what? The gods did not want me to be at that party because Lord knows what would have happened to me if Frank Ocean had walked into a party I was at and he hadn't released that album yet. <laughs> I'd be in prison. <laughs> Or you'd become his muse and you'd be on the cover of Boys Don't Cry. It's you, Ira. We don't know which way this would go. That's true. Maybe Frank Ocean and I are destined to meet when the time is right then. Ira Madison III, I have a question for you. And it is an age-old question question that has troubled the minds of Americans everywhere, including maybe Donald Trump. KFC 
or Popeyes. Now, you know I'm trash sometimes, but when it comes to putting food Frequently. in my body, um, I don't put trash into my body. So I am Popeyes because KFC is trash. There is that is the only answer to this question. This is probably going to get me the most hate mail I've ever gotten in my life. KFC's biscuits are better than Popeye's biscuits. Oh, no, you're right. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) I thought I I was saying something controversial. (laughs) The only only time I've ever been happy that I've been at a KFC is because of the biscuits. Like, the biscuits are super on point there. And I used to actually have to go to KFC all the time because I had a racist roommate uh, here in L.A. (laughs) a few years ago. And he used to always, like, when he would get high, he would be like, "Uh, I really want some, like, fried chicken. And I'm like, yeah, let's go get some Popeyes. And he's like, oh, you know, like, KFC's just, like, um, 15 minutes away. And I'd be like, um... Okay, I guess. And he was always in the KFC. And I don't think he's ever had Popeyes in his life. I can't believe you didn't fight him on that, Ira. Well, we also had other problems, like the fact that he had like a mammy refrigerator magnet in our kitchen. What? <laughs> that he got in like New Orleans. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I moved in and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, she's so cute. And I'm like... Lock your doors at night because I may try to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) You had a mammy magnet. You know what? A mammy magnet. That's like, that reminds me of this friend I had who inexplicably, my friend was white, her whole family was white, but they had all these like figurines of very chubby black cherubs in their house. It was just like, like, it's, like, it's just like what? what are you doing? There were so many of them. <laughs> 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 they were everywhere. It's like, did you home invade? We're so chubby. Did you home invade a black woman and steal her home? Like, why are these cherubs here? Exactly, and you know what kind of cherubs I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know. Yes, because your auntie and everybody's aunties them, has these them cherubs. racist ass like Fantasia looking cherubs with the lips. Yes, those lips. The home was riddled with them. That was like, you know, my experience with weird black figurines. And that just like, <laughs> I, you know what? I bet that those people like KFC because I've just decided that like, if you like KFC, you're probably a racist. Like my roommate, just like um, Donald Trump, who this week posted this photo of him eating KFC on his airplane. First of all, I don't even think he was eating that chicken because that photo looked fake as fuck. But it was so staged. Assuming that he actually, you know, did eat that chicken. Or even, you know, like even if it is staged, like he chose to stage a photo with KFC and not Popeyes. We gotta set up the scene. Trump is on his private plane. The um, like the seats have the Trump insignia on them. So he has like a few pieces of of KFC on a like a styrofoam plate that's then on top of a glass like china plate, and he <laughs> is holding 
<laughs> the two most offensive materials I have seen around fried chicken in my entire life. A fork and a knife. Who uses a fork and a knife to eat a drumstick in Obama's America? In any America. You know, like <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Even in the racist asked Thomas, like, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson did not eat his fried chicken with a knife and a fork. I know Sally Hemmings taught him better than that. Oh my God. <laughs> what? You know, listen, that's probably why, you know, <laughs> Sally made that bomb fried chicken. Anyway. <laughs> Actually, that's probably why like white people helped out with the Underground Railroad. I wonder if they got free fried chicken in exchange <laughs> for their service. They were like, I, I love slavery, but I love fried chicken more. Yeah, so I will help you find that drinking gourd. <laughs> <laughs> but this photo is just amazing because it's like, first of all, Listen, I get that politicians have to pander, but who the hell do you think you're pandering to? Like, there's a point where being racist is just equivalent to being stupid. That is like people in a Trump think tank saying, ah, oh, we need the African-American vote. Let's take a picture of him with chicken. Like, that is so unbelievably dumb. <laughs> and... Trump was never, but Trump was never that dumb. You know, he had the apprentice, the apprentice, excuse me. He had some kind of media savvy, but it really seems like he's just like going off the deep end and making these decisions that no one, no one can stand behind. I mean, because I will even go on record of saying that I used to love The Apprentice. I mean, the receipts are there, so I'm not going to lie about it. Um, I watched every season of The Original Apprentice, and I watched a few of the celebrity ones. Like, he, you're right. He never seemed this idiotic. He was always lying about shit, but he always seemed to, like, be good at lying about it. Yeah, he was entertaining, you know? Like, the Trump of The Apprentice eras would probably make a joke about K like the whole KFC and Popeyes thing. But today, this is just a shadow of the man I used to know. Donald Trump disappointing us yet again. This episode of Speed Dial was produced by Kasia Mihailovich, Michael Catano, and Mukta Mohan for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. Subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.